Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Joel Fairby. Hi, this is Derek Broussard. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And, and you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's podcast, the Players podcast, the Prognosticators podcast, the Pedialyte podcast, the Presidential podcast, the only Flyers podcast. And one, two, three. I'm counting. I'm counting the, the faces I see on the screen. And for those of you who are watching over on YouTube, on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel, you can see three faces. And for those of you who are listening, you can close your eyes and imagine. Just make us all handsome, please. There are three of us here. I see one Anthony Sanfilippo, find him on Twitter at and Sanfilly. And I also see, is that is that Rob Blagojevich again? Is he back? What's <laughs> that? He's all great, That's a, that's a, we busted him out. That's Chris Terrian. Bundy's back. Hey, fella, how are you doing? I'm talking about the prospects. I come back on. When it gets to prospects, that's what I tell Anthony. I'll catch up with you guys later. <laughs> Have a good show. It's good to be on uh, and see your faces again, guys. Good to see you. Great to be back. Correct me if I'm wrong. You were just over in Sweden scouting uh, potential late round draft picks for the Flyers. Is that that's not correct at all? No, <laughs> it's not. That, that used uh, to happen. I, I know that you have a bunch of things that are that are going on. I, I think we said this two weeks ago that you have some irons in the fire, some things that you're really excited about. And I'm sure that at some point when, when those things are ready to go public, you'll, uh, you'll announce them here on the show, but yeah. Uh, good to have you back. Great to be and, here. Guys. And good to, to have you back wearing your Phillies cap, just holding out hope that Rob Manfred's going to stop being a, uh, a sports. I can't call him a sports terrorist, but I don't know what we call him at this point. May 1st, we'll have baseball. Okay. I think so. I, yeah. I hope so, man. I hope May 1st. So. Okay. They, want, they won't lose. They don't want to lose money on the television deal. So that's when the owners will finally give in a bit, and yeah, they'll get somewhere at that point. So who needs first. television when you have uh, an exclusive deal with uh, Apple TV for a Friday night doubleheader? Yeah, boy, that's going to go over really well with baseball's uh, uh, aging fan base. I can't wait to explain to a bunch <laughs> yeah. of sixty and seventy year old fans what Apple TV. Yeah, put the Apple on my TV, Johnny Appleseed. What's that? All right. Anyway, we have a lot to get into. Uh, The trade deadline is fast approaching. Uh, A lot of rumors swirling around this team. Once again, one of the potential trade assets that the Flyers have might be hurt. Uh, Another one might already be hurting in his heart for a departure. uh, And maybe doesn't want to leave at all. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, There was a town hall that the team had with season ticket holders that led to uh, some interesting, interesting things that I'm sure we'll break down here as well. And plenty more. So join us for this ride. I'm sure we're going to have a, a delightful time here in Flyers land. Um, and let me go to you first. Yeah. What, what's the most pressing thing right now that you want to dive into first on today's show? I'm going to let you decide. Well, I, I, what's the most pressing thing? I, well, the only thing I just want to do the, is What's the thing that like when you woke up this morning and said, we're going to, we are going to record Snow the Goalie. The yeah. number one thing I want to talk about is... Um, I want to, can I say something positive first? I want to, I want to start mm-hmm. on a positive, I'm going to start on a positive note. Love positive. I like just because I know we're going to get into a little, some negative stuff, but I, I want to talk a little positive first last night. And again, these games don't matter. They stink, but Carter Hart had a game that you don't see all that often, mm-hmm. right? 47 saves and regulation basically stole again. The flyers were terrible. In that game, I don't care what Mike Yo says about how oh we had a good start. BS. You gave up 48 shots. Yeah. Vegas skated all over that team, threw them in, out, backwards, sideways. The Vegas writer who was in attendance was saying, uh, "How bad is the Flyers' PK? Because the Vegas power play has not looked good at all. And today they looked like they were the best they've ever looked. I mean, that goes to tell you like just how bad things are when when the out of town writer notices that something that's bad on their team looks great against the Flyers, right?" Um, I think that the one thing that we're going to, the one little shining light that's going to come out of this mess of a season, as we pick through the rubble, um, a little over a month from now is going to be the fact that Carter Hart was able to rebound and have a good season. I mean, his numbers aren't going to jump off the page at you where he ranks and everything, 
But if you compare the fact that he has a bad team in front of him, and then you look at those numbers, and then you see who else is like right around him, like save percentage wise, the, the goalies that he's in the same cluster with are on three of the top five teams in the, in the, in the league. And that's um, Campbell in Toronto. Um, uh, what's his name? Darcy Kemper in, in, in Colorado and Bobrovsky in Florida. So, I mean, he, the, the fact is, is he's playing at a level that you, maybe it's c- kind of going unrecognized and, you know, there's no pressure on him. And so maybe that's why he's playing as well as he is. But the fact is, is that I think that the one thing the Flyers could really be positive about moving forward is that Carter Hart was able to put last season behind him and bounce back to have a good enough season with a really shitty team um, that they could feel comfortable with him going forward. I think that's a that's a that's an important thing for this team as they start to break it up, which is going to start happening here in the next ten days. I'm actually going to add to that, Anthony. Forget last season. That kid had to put the first. 45 games out of his mind, yeah. let alone what happened last season. So, yeah. And in a disaster of from an injury to just all things flyers. I mean, you can't try to recreate something as bad as this been. And yes, I commend him. He was outstanding against Vegas at home. And as he was, you know, uh, as he's been recently, I mean, he's been really, really good. And so, and again, you know, and I think you asked a fair question. Is it because there's no pressure on, you know, just playing hockey where, you know, we knows in another uh, about five weeks, four weeks are going to be done anyway, you know, five and a half weeks, uh, they'll be finished hockey. So um, again, but he's, he's played inspired hockey. And as you said, there'll be so many changes probably by next week's what you're thinking that, you're going to have kind of a, re, a restart button for him, but he's been good and uh, and he's had to, and he's gone through a lot and he's had to mentally fight through that because his numbers, you know, this year they've been better, but even coming off last year, really bad numbers, but he's had to go through absorb those, those losses in succession. And I think he's done a great job kind of handling that. It's, you know, you may, they may look back at this point in like six, seven years and, and, and it being the turning point for Carter Hart is a good chance. It could be that this, this, what happened here in the last two Two and a half years, uh, maybe when they say, you know, when did you get your, when he got his teeth cut, he got to cut that year that they were just God awful and they had nowhere to go but up. And that's, that's how he built it. So that's my hope for him and, and my hope for this organization, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. And, and really quickly, I mean, that what you just said makes a lot of sense, buddy, because if you look at it, last season was like the first time he had ever been a loser. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I mean, everywhere in his career up until last season, his teams had great success, even from when he was in junior hockey and, and, and so forth. And everywhere he's played, his teams had success. And so last year, so maybe that was hard on him as well. And, to ha- and for the team to be as bad, if not worse, this year, but for him to be able to flip that switch shows that he can get past that now. So that, that to me is the growth, right? To, to, get, to get past where he was a year ago, mentally to be where he is now. And like you said, that's the stepping stone towards a lengthy, strong career as a goalie in the NHL. So I think that that's, I think that that's the one positive. There's not much else that's going to come out positive out of this season. That I think that's the, the one thing that of anything else that the Flyers can look at going forward and go, okay, at least we have that. You know, losing can, can really eat at your core. Right. Okay. And I look at goalies. Goalies are weird, right? Goalies are weird in hockey. Goalies are weird in soccer. I played soccer, not hockey. And one of the things that, Bundy, I'm sure you could speak to as a former NHL player, goalies, when things go sideways, uh, can really start to point the finger at the, the guys playing in front of them. And it can become a really toxic relationship really quickly. You know, the idea of a, a guy putting up stats or putting up good stats on a, on a losing team you know, that, that holds truth, I think, for forwards, especially, right? Because somebody has to score the points. Somebody has to score the goals. But for a goalie to not allow a miserable season and plenty of shots against and high danger chances against to adversely affect his play speaks to the maturity and the development not only of Carter Hart as a player, but as a person, right? It, it, it seems like, if nothing else, this losing has hardened him and maybe kind of desensitized him in a, maybe in a positive way to the losing. He's able now to kind of separate his performance from the final result on the scoreboard at the end of the game. And if he's able to do that now, 
just imagine what will happen if, if and when this team can take a step or two in the right direction and, and can start to win games. Maybe he goes from being a guy who can keep you in a game to becoming a guy who can steal games in the future when they matter most. And, and he will need to, you know, for the foreseeable future, I don't want to, you know, throw ice on a, on a, on a good moment here, but uh, for the foreseeable future guys, I mean, this is not, this is not a team that's, I don't think like going to be like that year where Paul Holmgren came in and, and revamped it and got him in the playoffs the next year. I think this is a retooling process and, and, a, and even a rebuild. And I, I think Carter Hart's going to have to have a lot of really good nights in the next few years as well to keep this team in some games until they do turn that corner. Uh, so He's got uh, he's got some time uh, ahead of him, I believe, unfortunately, but a good sign. You know what, Russ? Philly's a tough town, like, you know, for anybody, a pitcher, a, a quarterback, um, a star player. It doesn't matter who you are, you know, and you can kind of get gobbled up by the moment here in Philadelphia by hearing a lot of the noise that goes on outside. I mean. It almost feels like the hangover too, where it says, you know, Bangkok's got you now or Bangkok's got him now. <laughs> yeah. It's like Philly can, Philly can take over an athlete and get in their head so bad that they're unable to form. So the accomplishment was lasting 12 years in Philly. That's almost a miracle, but that's, you know, Carson Wentz, it didn't work out. So I think, you know, in, in a sense for a kid like Carter Hart to kind of absorb the blows that he's absorbed both on the ice off the ice, dealing with the Philadelphia, you know, media and, uh, and and the fan base, I think is only a good thing for his mental state moving forward. You, you, been, you, had, you had a you had a goalie that had issues, right, back when you played. Uh, I had a lot of goalies that had a lot of issues. But, uh, I mean, the one I'm going to – the one I think we can talk about publicly, though, is is Monic, right? Oh, <laughs> you know, let me let me tell you – let me just tell you a Roman Monic story, all right? This is, this is, this is really – I knew things were going to go far in the spring this year when we found out in the Ottawa series started that he'd bought his fucking plane ticket back to the Czech Republic the next week. Like what? What are you kidding me? Boy. Hey boys, get ready for a long run this spring. Czech Monik's got our backs. <laughs> what a guy. What a guy. Uh, That's yeah. a true story. And the whole team knew it. It was yeah. like game three. We're losing. I'm like, well, you know, lose. We're going to be done. And he's got to flight back to the Czech Republic in five days, whether we Listen, win or you, lose. You thought that you had a chance and he was just trying to give you a reality check. Monov. Oh, geez. Nah. Here we go. Nah. Here we go. I hate myself. Chief, Chief yeah. Brew, I don't want to throw a guy under the bus. Chief Ruby told me one year they had a guy in Washington. The series was tied three, three and the game seven was back in Washington. And when Chief pulled into the pickup lot, or the, you know, the lot, the guy's pickup truck was packed to go home. <laughs> the guy on his own team. <laughs> My God. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll inspire positivity in the f- troops tonight. <laughs> but he had to be—he had to be the the biggest mental case that you you guys ever had when you were there, right? Easily. I mean, he's the, he's the only guy. He was so mental and so on. He's the only guy I ever saw Eric Desjardins. Eric Desjardins say, "Okay, boys, pucks high and hard." The beginning of the practice today after a game that's like, great yeah he was a weird guy but he, you know again and then there's goalies like some guys would let it roll off their back like hexy was good like that right you know he's passionate he'd get into the games but you could actually talk to him before the game a little bit bush was the same way good natured guy uh you know robert ash same way you yeah know, just good guy but then you had you know you had a couple of your your, your quirky guys in there as well you know yeah. were a little different for sure so i I don't know if you guys feel like this, but I, I will admit that I'm not as into the season as I have been in, in seasons past, right? Priorities change. But the, the overarching sentiment, it, it seems like, has not been critical of Carter Hart. And I think that kind of speaks to like maybe a positive development in the Flyers fan base. Like you think about other players that have gotten targeted by some of the angry mobs on Twitter and Facebook. Carter Hart has not been one of those guys. And, you know, one of the guys who had been a lightning rod for criticism was back last night, wasn't in the lineup. He's out, he's injured. You know, you kind of wonder what his career is going to look like. And Nolan Patrick, he took a lot of, a lot of heat. Um, You look at a guy like Travis Konechny, who's caught a lot of heat online. You look at a guy like Ivan Provorov, who's caught heat online, Travis Sanheim, like Carter Hart, to his credit, you play well enough, people start to give you the benefit of the doubt, right? The kid's been in the games. He's been competitive. He's not getting pulled from like every other start. 
kudos to him. It goes back to Bundy's hot take for the beginning of the year. The Flyers can only be as good as Carter Hart is. And in this case, he's actually been better than what the team is. If Carter Hart allowed himself to kind of cave in like he did a year ago, uh, team probably has the worst record in hockey, right? They're they're not coming out and winning a 2-1 game against Vegas, right? They're not remotely competitive in a lot of these close games that they've lost. So kudos to him. Um, I want to just really quick touch on my hot take because uh, Oscar Lindblom scored a goal, which means that my hot take of Oscar Lindblom finishing the season with more goals than Travis Konechny if the season were to end today, would be correct. He's got 10 to connect knees nine. And then that leads us to somebody who I'm, I'm sure a lot of people want to hear about and want to hear some of the, the behind the scenes workings around uh, Claude Giroux. Anthony's the one who said at the beginning of the season that he thinks Claude Giroux is going to have, his, have a great season. He threw out the idea of potentially being a point per game player. He was on pace to be a point per game player. He, he was excelling. Um, things have kind of cooled off a bit as of late, uh, but he still has 40 points in 53 games. He's second on the team in points, assists, and goals, respectively. Guys, I you know, I don't want to say that, you know, we toot our own horns here, toot toot, but we're 54 games into the season, and none of us have been wrong on our hot takes. So, little virtual high fives. Anthony, um, a, lot, a lot is going around about Claude Giroux. Uh, there are rumblings that he doesn't want to leave. There are rumblings that he might only have one or two teams that he's really, truly interested in potentially going to. Um, Some of the noise is just posturing. Some of the noise has validity. Where do you stand right now on the odds? If we had to put a percentage chance on Claude Giroux waiving the no movement clause and getting dealt before the deadline, what is your percentage at now versus even where it was two weeks ago? 100. I think he gets traded. I, I don't think I don't think there's a doubt. I, if he he so here's the thing: if you ask me that question slightly differently, Russ, if you asked me what my thought was, and in, including what Drew would do and want to do in the off season, then I That's might have different. changed. That, we'll, then we'll I touch might, on that. and we'll get to that. Okay. But that. Then I might have changed my tune. But the fact is, is that and well, we'll get to it. But the point is, is that if he really does want to come back here and play, and we're going to talk about that, is that a possibility uh, to sign re-sign here in the offseason as a free agent? If, in fact, that's what he really wants to do, he, he can't not waive his no-trade clause. He can't. He only hurts the team yeah. by doing that. So he has to go, and I think he realizes he has to go. Um, I think it's weighing on him. I don't think that he wants to leave, but he ha- I think he understands – that in order for him to do what he needs to do or wants to do with the remainder of his career, that he has to leave here. He may not want to go places, certain places that are more interested in him than in the places he wants to go, but he may have to suck that up buttercup for a couple of months and, and, uh, and go play for, for a, a cup contender. That's not the ones at the top, very tippy top of his list. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and go do it. And, and then, you know, if you get a good return, then if he wants to come back here and, and you know, sign at a reasonable, and I say reasonable, reasonable dollar amount, um, fine. I'm okay with that. But at the same point, you can't not do it. You can't sit there and go, you know what? I don't want to do it because now you've set your team back. Let them, let them get something for you that can help moving forward if you really want to be part of this team going forward. So that's why I say 100%. I think he gets traded. Bundy, what's your percentage chance? So I, I think I, I do think he's torn. I, I really do. I think that he's thinking, you know, of himself in the same type of legacy. I, I think I, it has to cross his mind, you know, of him wanting to play for another team. Does he want to have the legacy of playing for one team his entire career? That's great and everything. And I know the one guy that we really equate that to is, is, is Bob Clark, you know. But, you know, Clarky, by the time he was at the same age, and we have to remember this, guys. I mean, you had, he had three – Hart Trophy MVPs and two Stanley Cups and was universally, even at the time of the late 70s, Anthony, known as the greatest leader in sports. And that's when there was some amazing leaders in sports. So Bob Clark really, forget whatever, you know, the management part. If you didn't like him, I loved him. I thought he was a great manager, good to his players. But whatever it was, you know, Claude Giroux does not have those accolades that Bob Clark had that, you know, made him a flyer for life. So 
you know, and I said this the other day, and I and I and I said complete honesty is that we play the game as a player to win a Stanley Cup. Now, guys make a lot of money playing this game. Certain players certainly do. There's a lot of money to be made. There's, guys have made it. But the only reason at the end of the day that I wanted to play was the spring tournament to try to win the Stanley Cup. And every year here in Philly, we had a pretty good chance. It didn't happen. So that's what I look for in a player. You know, again, and it's almost to a point where Chuck has to call him in and say, Claude, we need to move you. And if you are too stuck on the one team, and I believe he wants to go to one team and one team only at this point, um, you then, and then if you say that, well, I don't want to sign an extension with that team, if, if not, indeed that's what's happening, then you really, really pigeonhole your current team because now you, you're telling the other team, that one team, which is what I believe, um, that you really, that he's going to sign back in the summer. So that's going to take their foot off the pedal in terms of giving what they think is an accommodating return back for a rental, for an absolute certain rental that there's no guarantee you get out of the first round. So that's the, that's the quagmire that everybody's dealing with. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, if you have a player with an expiring contract, uh, I don't think you have to look necessarily look at it any different. You say, listen, you are back inside. But that, that'll be up to him. But I, I don't think that that's the way that you could tell Chuck can, can approach it with Claude. I think he has to say, you're an asset to us and we need to do something for the betterment of our team, whether that's getting high picks or something. And you're going to have to help us with that because this certain team maybe isn't giving what the Flyers are hoping they were going to get back for them. And there are other pieces in here as well, guys. I think I, I, I would think somebody's going to get moved where you don't maybe don't suspect to see a player getting moved. Uh, you know, is, is a Konechny on the market? Is a Provorov or Sandheim being shopped in a, in a deal? Do they have to make it a package deal? These are things I don't know. I'm not really sure yet. I don't think the Flyers themselves, to be honest with you, know right now either. So it's a, it's a moving target, and, and, I, and, and there has to be probably a lot of give and take on, on every side involved uh, at the deadline. Or, or Clodagh will remain here uh, and will probably sign an extension here. And I'm not sure that that's, you know, again uh, – I don't know if that's necessarily the answer either. I think this team, as I said, guys, needs a full rebuild. I'm still in that mode. I said it three months ago, and I'm going to say it again now. I think they need to just turn the whole cart right over and start from a, from a fresh. But that's me. You don't have to agree with me. It's just my sentiment. Well, and the, you know, I, I come back to a point that is true, whether I think a lot of people want to acknowledge it or not. And like I, I got some heat for it before, like I'm an asshole. And I don't think I'm an asshole. I might be. I genuinely think I'm not an asshole. I am what I intentionally am. Like when I decide to fight with Anthony, like, yes, then, then my, my asshole meters off the chart, but like, I can, I can understand if you're Claude Giroux and you have a wife and, and two little kids and you have built something here on a personal level, right. And you've built a life in this area, but it's hard to wrap my head around the idea of saying that you are hundred percent committed to an organization. You want what's best for the team. And then there's an, there's a, an ability here to actually do something that could better the team, not just now, but potentially long-term. You don't know what the assets are going to be. You don't know what the prospects or the draft picks are going to turn out to be, but they are still potential lottery tickets. If nothing else, you, do you have a way to potentially help that team that you've dedicated your career to, to get better? Yeah. And, and if, and if you cannot, for some reason, wrap your head around that and take the next, what, three months, three, yeah, it's three months or so to pursue a career long goal, of trying to pursue a Stanley cup and rent an apartment, take your family with you. If like, if that's, if that's what need be, take the grandparents with you. I don't know how this works. I don't know their, their, their family situation, but if it's me, right. My wife supports everything that I do. I'm very lucky in that way. And so I just have a hard time wrapping my head around this like notion that there's no way for this guy to, to just accept that. Like, yes, for two or three months, things are going to be a little bit different here, but there's nothing to stop him from taking his family with him. There's nothing to stop him from, you know, when the, the team is, uh, you know, on the road from him flying back to Philadelphia for a night and like still being at home with his family and then going back out, like, is it a lot on him? 
Is it a lot of extra travel for him specifically? Probably. But is that something, is that a sacrifice that you maybe make? If you really, truly in your heart of hearts are a competitor who wants to win a Stanley cup and at the same time can help your current team. Like I, I, I don't think that that's asking some ridiculous thing of Claude Giroux and never mind the fact that he is a free agent at the end of the year. He's not being dealt away from a team and a city that he loves with two years left on a contract without a no movement clause where he could be sent to like Arizona. Like that's not what's happening here. So like, I want to empathize. Like I really do. And then at the same time, I, I sit back and I say, if you're a Flyers fan, keyword Flyers fan, you should want to see the team get the best potential package back for this guy. And at the same time, you should probably cheer on the guy who's given you some great moments in your Flyers fandom in the last decade. You should cheer for him to win a Stanley Cup. And if you want him to come back in the offseason and this team wants him to come back in the offseason and he wants to come back in the offseason, well, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I just I, I really do struggle with this notion that like it is totally his decision and that you can have your cake and eat it, too. I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think this got this has gotten way too complicated. I really do think so. And if if the word continues to get out that there's one team or there are two teams that he wants to go to and we continue to hear rumblings from other teams, from other front offices that they know that he's going to want to resign in Philly at the end of the year. He is adversely impacting his trade value and subsequently could be impacting adversely the Flyers ability to get the best potential package back for him. It's not his responsibility, but he could help the cause at least a bit. And I'll tell you that his play is not helping either. Um, since the press conference, the Dave Scott, uh, Chuck Fletcher press conference, Drew's got six points in 13 games. That's less than a half a point a game. Um, that's not very good. He's only got two goals in that time. Um, if you're trading for him, you know, you're trading for a guy that you think can, you know, it's one of the best power play point guys in the last decade, right? Or since he's even been in the NHL, he's got one power play point in his last 15 games it's an assist against Minnesota. Um, and, you know, his last couple games, his ice time has been down a little bit. He's been under 20 minutes. I think it was at 17 last night. Um, yeah, he's still winning his face offs at, at a ridiculous number. That's probably the best thing for Drew right now. He's a 62% face-off guy in the last 13 games, um, which is really great. But uh, but beyond that, like you could see that this is affecting his play. And and I think that other teams are seeing it and they're watching it. And you know, I, I'll tell you when you know Colorado had their assistant general manager in for two games last week, Chris McFarland came in to watch them play. And then word out of Colorado that I got yesterday, now not from Chris McFarland, but from somebody else that I know out there, is that eh, they may not want to pay the price for Claude Giroux. They're still interested, sure, but maybe not at the price point that, that Chuck Fletcher wants. And the reason being is a lot of these things. Like they're, they're not certain that you know, what they're seeing is, you know, is, is that just because he's under a lot of pressure and once he gets out somewhere else, he'll be fine? Or, Anthony, or they don't you know. know. You know what they're worried of? I'll, I'll be honest with you, because I had a coach actually say this. They're worried and they're wondering if he, at this point, is simply a good player on a bad team. And when you get a guy, listen, there's no doubt. I mean, he's been, and we've said this, he's been a tremendous player here. He's been an amazing talent, power play player. He's taken people out of their seats some nights. But at that point of, of his career, and as I said, the coach that I talked to said he's, he might be a good player on a bad team at this point. And if that's the case... You have to be very careful bringing a guy like that into a fray because what they've done is they've built that team all year, right? The team that's in position. And one guy, when you bring one player into the deadline, he's got to have his head in the right place as well to what that expanded role will be on a new team. That's a fair assessment from anybody looking at it because if you have a guy coming in that still thinks he's the man, and even though he's been the man on one of the worst teams in hockey, he can't have that same attitude or idea or thought process going to the Stanley Cup team that would acquire him. And I think that's what some people are absolutely wondering right now. Well, there's also that, there's also like the, again, there, there's like the personal side of this too. I don't even know if it's an ego thing, right? Like if, if it becomes public knowledge that like 
And, and look, who could fault the guy? But if like, if it gets out there that like, you're heartbroken about having to leave and your family's still in Philly and you're at this new team and you have not assimilated into the culture of the organization yet. And like, you become somebody who is just kind of like a downer, right? Because you've effectively been separated from your family, you know, whether or not you can work out the logistics to bring them with or not. I, I mean, that, that can, that could be a downer. Like you're looking for a guy to come in and like, there's the other element of this as well, that like he might not resign. So really like you've, you've gone out and gotten a mercenary who might not be a stone cold killer. You know what I mean? Like you're not bringing in a guy who's looking after all these years to go out and win a Stanley cup and to put up ridiculous points and to give himself to the cause and to, you know, give up his scoring acumen to try to become a playmaker or, or whatever, because he's still upset that he was traded. You know what I mean? Like there, that to me, yeah. I think is maybe an even bigger concern, by the way, th this all is done. And like, we say this all the time, the human element of, of sports, but like, we also don't know if there's anything else going on. Like, that's why I said before, you know, you don't know what any, what any guy's home situation's like, you don't know what his relationship is with any other family. You don't know if there's like a family member who's sick. You don't know if there's like a grandparent or a parent who's like going through a health crisis or something. And like, maybe the guy doesn't want to get dealt because the doctors for that family member are local. And like, there, there's all that kind of stuff too. I mean, we, I think a lot of times, obviously we talk about these things from like a macro view of here's player, player goes to team, assets are exchanged. We're all happy. But like in the event that there is something else going on off the ice, that's like around his family, then that kind of changes the, the entire, I think, conversation dynamic. We have not heard anything to that end. So we pretty much postulate on these things independent of that. But in the event that that kind of thing is happening and like we find out after the fact that like there was a serious thing going on and that's why he didn't want to waive his no movement clause. Well, then we can obviously go back and say after the fact, like, Hey, our bad for even like having this conversation, but as things stand right now, he's probably your most valuable trade asset. And this team does not want to rebuild. And no matter that Bundy and I think that this team really does need to tear things down more than try to retool on the fly, he's their best shot to get anything of value in the, in either this year's draft, potentially next year's draft, or some prospect along the way. So that's where I think we're out on Claude Giroux. One of the other guys who has been brought up in trade discussions and has been kind of rumored to be a potential target for other teams is Justin Braun, who got hurt. Uh, Cam York was just activated, brought up to the NHL level again, uh, Wednesday afternoon, assuming Justin Braun's healthy, he, he has to be gone, right? Like there's, we're going to say hundred percent certainty that Justin Braun will be dealt by the deadline. Yeah. He's okay too. He actually practiced, um, practice today. He went out on the ice and practice. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think so too. I think that, I think that there's a lot of, you know, teams are always looking for defensive help at the deadline, but here's Justin Braun. He's right-hand shot. He's veteran. He's got playoff experience. He's had a decent season, um, especially since he's filled in in a role that he wasn't expected to play. Um, and so I, I think that there's more value in Justin Braun than maybe most people think. Most people are just like, yeah, get whatever, take whatever you can get for him. Uh, I think right now his value is a third round pick and, the, and Chuck's waiting to see if he can get more. Um, and I think that you might find a desperate team come the 21st who might say yeah we'll go to it we'll make that a second and and then you get a second round pick for justin braun which is which is great i mean that's that's a great trade in a lot of ways because you know Braun's really a, a number five defenseman it's really what he is and he's been playing number two for much of this year um although the last couple of weeks sanheim and ristolainen have gotten more ice time than provorov and braun so he's more of a second pair but even still the guy's played well. He's not been bad. Very few mistakes that he makes personally. I, I think that there's a lot of value there, right, Bundy? I mean, he kind of fits yeah. that fits that need that a lot of teams have at this time yeah. of year. Everybody needs that defenseman or depth guy that can play in your top six. Certainly, your bottom, you know, your bottom set of, uh, pair of defensemen, which is great. I mean, you're adding a lot of experience. He's a good guy, so you know, you're getting you're getting a good player. Like in terms of a guy, I mean, you're not going to 
it's not going to make a difference to your top pair any, but certainly for a fill-in, there's a lot of guys that would rather have an upgrade at the deadline. And I actually think he might get, he will get you probably a better return than you're going to think people are thinking he's, they're going to get for him. So yeah, yeah, that'll be a good move. I, you know, there's a lot of moves I try to make guys. We don't have enough time today to get into that, but I know we will as the deadline approaches, but it's a lot. Of, I think there's a lot of things, a lot of interest, even some of the other younger guys too. So and I think I, I think what you might see with that, Bundy, is I think you might see – look, it's possible that Chuck makes a hockey trade right here at the deadline. They're rare at the deadline, but, I mean, it's, they're not completely out of the question. I mean, they can happen. Yeah. Um, uh, at the, but at, I guarantee, at the very least, he's laying the groundwork for something in the offseason. No doubt. With, for those types of players. No doubt. Guys, can, can I throw this out to you? I, I made this comparison to somebody not that long ago. And, Anthony, you'll love this one. You're going to love this reference. Okay. When I, when I hear right-handed defensemen and the way that teams might look past a guy's uh, deficiencies, let's say, just because he's a right-handed defenseman and he brings balance, I look at that as like a left-handed reliever in baseball. Like sometimes the guy isn't an elite setup guy or an elite reliever, but just the fact that you have that flexibility to put out a left-handed guy, it might not be as good as some of the right-handed guys that are out on the market. Like does hockey, do hockey GMs over inflate the value of a right-handed defenseman just because he's right-handed? Well, that's a great question. And I'll throw this, to, I'm going to actually throw it to Bundy because um, it is a great question, Russ, but no, I'm going to throw it to Bundy because it wasn't always that way, right? I mean, if you, when you played, most guys were left-hand shots. There was yeah. very few. Although my partner shots. was right-handed and it yeah. made all the difference. So, I mean, I can explain yeah. that if you're, if you're a left defenseman on the right side, right? It, so if you're heading up the ice, if you want to spring that defenseman, you got to hit him with a pass on his backhand, right? As he's going up the ice, if he's a left defenseman. So with me and Desjardins, I think that your top pair, like I'm a believer that your top pair guys have got to be a right and a left. I, I'm a believer in that. Like they play too many minutes. The defending is too important. So with me and Desjardins, I was a lefty, he was a righty, and we complimented each other. I knew that that forward pass was going to be on the front, the blade of his, of his stick going forward. What happens is when you got a guy playing the left side on a uh, left shot on the right side, what you're doing is you're adjusting your whole game because instead of going forward, most of the time, you're actually going to get the pass on your forehand and you're going to pull it back and you're going to end up transitioning backwards to try to see up ice again. So you open up your options. It's a, it's a totally different game rather than making a single pass to a right guy and then making the zip pass across everything changes. So to me, your highest minute pair has got to be, they have to be playing on their strong side of whatever hand they shoot. Um, but again, it, there was prevalent. There's, there's always been, for some reason, more left-handed shots in hockey than right-handed all the way through, uh, which is odd in and of its own uh, sense. But, uh, but I, it, it does change the formula, right, Anthony? Like the way you defend, the way that the puck gets broken out, the way that you're positioned in the zone. It, it does change so many things and, and probably more than I even have time to talk about here. Yeah. And, and I guess, you know, it's interesting, Bunny, that you mentioned that and people, people have asked me and I've, the answer I've always come up with, and you could tell me if I'm wrong because you, you actually grew up in Canada and, you know, played the sport um, that the reason that there were more left-handed shooters, left-handed players than right-handed players is because up in Canada, when you're, when you're taught the game that you're taught that your control hand is your power is your strong hand and not your, shooting hand right i mean like your shooting hand should like your top hand should be your more powerful more dominant hand yeah more often than not i mean i know there are some guys who do it the other way but more often than not your control hand so if you're right-handed you usually play left if you're a right-handed person you would tend to play hockey left-handed and and i'm and oddly i golf left i shoot left i swing a baseball bat left Mm -hmm. uh, and i'm all i'm right-handed so there you go and, and, and there's a lot of hockey players that are like that for whatever crazy ass reason. It's strange. Yeah. 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 So, so, and unlike the, the value side of things, right. If, if we're looking at Justin Braun, who is a veteran defenseman who is by no means dynamic is not going to be brought in to be a top four defenseman on a playoff team. If he were left-handed, what do you think his value would be? Would there be a lot of teams pursuing him? And what do you think his and what do you think his value is as a right-handed defense? I mean, there would still be some va- there would still be value there because he's a veteran because he's played in the playoffs, went to the Stanley Cup final with San Jose, um, and again because he's a he's a quality guy who's not going to make mistakes, right? He's just he could give you those solid fifteen minutes on that third pair. But yes, being if he was more if he was a lefty and not a righty, his value certainly comes down. 
Uh, And it's probably, you know, you're probably looking at a fourth round pick as opposed to a third or second. And I think that's the, that's the difference in all honesty. I mean, that's like, you made the great comparison to a left-handed reliever and that's exactly what a right-hand shot is in in a lot of ways. And let me know if if you're not a star player anyway, that, and you know, if you're a star defenseman and you happen to be right-handed, that's a whole different world. But if you're just, if you're just a, you know, run of the mill average defenseman in the league being right-handed gives you an advantage over being left-handed. It means you couldn't take – you see the video the other day? I think it was our friends at Nasty Knuckles posted up. Flyers D couldn't get the pucks past the shopping cart. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, those shopping carts got a lot of balls these days because they stand in the way of those shots. Yeah. <laughs> Something else. So- Something else. Guys, are there any other potential targets uh, that, that you think have played their way into potential consideration for a trade? Does a guy like Derek Broussard do anything for a team? Yeah, I mean, I think Broussard can get moved. I think um, uh, I still think Martin Jones can get moved. Yep. Um, uh, you know, and I think, is going to stay now. I'm getting more of a sense that he's going to stay here as opposed to as opposed to go. But um so I think that those kind of guys could move. Um, oh, wait, wait. Not, Ant, but they're not going to get you any. They're not going to get you much in return. I don't mean to interrupt you. Bundy wasn't here. You, you talked about on the episode with NRD that Ristolainen, per, per a source, per, per people that you had talked to, that Ristolainen had turned down a six-year, $38 million deal. That, that, that is, that's an astounding number. And you and I argued about his actual value. I, I just want to know, Bundy, would you, you, GM Chris Terrian, would you, if you were the GM of this Flyers team right now, would you offer Rasmus Ristolainen over $6 million a year for the next six seasons? Absolutely no chance. No chance. But, but again, I say that, you know, Russ, and I, and I say that with, I don't know what the hell a guy like that's worth anymore. You know, I've gone on about there's so many defensemen in the league. There's so many players that weren't capable of playing in this league 10 years ago. I don't know what the hell you pay a guy like. Is that what it, if that's what the cost is, then I guess that's what the cost is. To me, it sounds insane. But I do say this. Good for him. Like, yeah. good job, kid. Like, I, I think you did a great job. Um, what I? No. I mean, I, and again, I think the more this goes on, guys, I think the, the league is going to, this is probably safe for another day, they're going to be looking for ways to finance a lot of things really soon, the way just sports in general is going, people coming off, looking at the price of gases. You're not going to have money for hockey tickets, let alone any sport for that matter, the way things are going. So, again, I don't know what the price of that is anymore, what someone's value is to a team. They may say, hey, we're not going to get a better $6.25 million guy than Rasmus Ristolainen anywhere, <coughs> and we need to meet the basement floor of the salary cap. So, yeah, it makes sense for us, whether people like him, love him, hate him, whatever. And so I'm not want- privy enough to say that's a part of the GM game for me. Would I? No. But there must be something that must make sense to them on all levels, financial included. And I think it's important that you kind of clarify, too, because Elliot Friedman on his podcast uh, touched on this, didn't name you, but said that, uh, you know, on the report said he doesn't want to, you know, name names and, and, you know, try to go at anybody's credibility, but said that he believes that the, the number that really would have come up with Ristolainen is four and a half to 4.75 million. Do you want to, do you want to walk back your quasi report on the show here, or are you resolute in the information that you were told six years? I will, I will not, I will not walk back my report. As a matter of fact, if you what I will say uh, publicly here, and I, I will have you confirm for me, Russ, is I shared with you the text message uh, and who it was with, mm-hmm. and it ju- it's I'm justified to not walk it back. Correct? I think you're probably justified. Yes. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So with that in with that in mind, if. Uh, if when, when this came up two weeks ago, if you agreed with me and said, this is fucking insane, um, <laughs> you might actually be angrier now. And if you, can we just really quick, if Rasmus Ristolainen ultimately is traded or, or leaves in the off season and, and, and Anthony's report is correct. 
And Rasmus Ristolainen is responsible for saving, for saving the Flyers from themselves. I argue we should put a statue of Rasmus Ristolainen outside of the Wells Fargo Center where the Kate Smith statue used to be. That's what we need. We need a statue there, and it should be Ristolainen. Speaking of Kate Smith, see, that's oh, a transition. Uh, and now there are about, I don't know, let's say 800 people listening to the podcast just tuned off at the mere mention of the name Kate Smith. Uh, really quickly, the Flyers held this town hall, and uh, there was a concern that was brought up by a um, season ticket holder, and it related to the Kate Smith statue being taken down. Now, and not just the statue, just and not playing the song anymore. Just basically uh, eliminating Kate Smith from right. the Flyers right. from the Flyers altogether. And I'm trying to think of the nicest way to say this and to like bring this up, but like I, me as a as a whippersnapper. The Kate Smith, God bless America thing never really meant much. I know that it did to a lot of people. To me, it never really meant much because they, they played it so often and the team lost so many games in recent memory when they played the Kate Smith song that I actually said, please yeah. stop playing the Kate Smith song. Please stop with the weird uh, duet with her and Lauren Hart. Or, and Lauren Hart. Like, please stop. Just stop. Just stop. Stop, stop, stop. Right. Um, but that was just me. Maybe I'm crazy, but I was like, I just need this to be done. For the love of God, can we please stop? Now, what I, I think is probably important here is that we take a moment to listen to the person who asked the question because the person brought up the, the Kate Smith statue being taken down, not playing the song, and the fact that like the organization pretty much whitewashed Kate Smith away. Mm-hmm. Now, whether you agree with this or disagree with it, it is a concern from a segment of the Flyers fan base, and it is bigger than, like let's say, a small echo chamber of like 150 people on Twitter yeah. or Facebook, right? So here's the question, and just here you go. You're not, I apologize. Give me direction. I just want you to know, the Flyers to know, that there are a lot of out-of-season ticket holders who have been here a long time who really are disgusted at the way the Flyers have treated Kate Smith. And it really bothers us. And they totally disconnected themselves from something which was very important to us who have been with this team since before a lot of you people were even born. I don't mean to yell, but I just, and I don't know that you can do anything, but I just want you to know that there are a lot of us that are really disgusted with the way they've treated Kate Smith. So do- now, do we want to play the response here? No, you can read the response okay. on Crossing Broad. I, it's already up there. So Val Camilla and Mike Shane both responded to this. They gave a response that I think you probably would have expected. Is that fair to say? Oh, it them? Was, yeah, it was, their response was fine. I mean, I don't think yeah, it, it wasn't. I don't think they said anything that was like horrific. I don't think that they handled it poorly. They pretty much said like this conversation will not be had again in terms of like with the organization. They're not going to bring the statue back. Probably not going to bring God Bless America back. The, the reason we bring this up isn't because we want to yell into our own echo chamber. It's the fact that like as a voice of a large segment of the fan base, or at least as a liaison, like we have to take into consideration the thoughts and the opinions of a lot of different people in this fan base. And so when I go on Twitter and I see people like mocking Bundy because he did uh, an interview with Sam Carcitti at Philly Hockey Now and he brings up the fact that there were people who were upset by what happened with the Kate Smith statue. And then you get some people who like, I don't know, they, they just, I think in their echo chamber, they are just of this resolute belief that there's just like 30 old white heterosexual cisgendered males. I think I got as specific as I could, who uh, believe that the Kate Smith thing is a fiasco. It's a disaster. And that's why the hockey team sucks and they're cursed and it's, it's horrible. And Bundy just happens to be one of those 30 heterosexual cisgender white males over the age of 30. We'll say like, I just, it's like, that's not true, but it came up. And now is that a good forum for it? Is that like the, is that going to get anything done? No. Uh, and ultimately, I think if you have the opportunity, and I think Kevin said this on the site, but like, if you have the opportunity to like talk to these people and ask questions, I don't actually know if this is a good question or statement or whatever to bring up, 
But as a season ticket holder at a town hall, you have every right to voice this concern. Bundy, your your thoughts. Well, let me let me again, and, and I didn't want to get misconstrued when I said when I talked to Sam, and, and here's here's my whole point about the Kate Smith thing. This corporation that now runs the Flyers, they can do whatever they want. They can take away God bless America. Uh, they can take away the Kate Smith statue. They did. And, I, and there's no way they're going to put that back up on, under this regime. It's not happening. My point was this, is that I don't believe in curses. I don't believe that because somebody's statue is taken, the team starts losing. I don't believe in any of that stuff. I don't believe in the Chicago uh, Billy Goat. I don't believe in that crap uh, or the curse of the Bambino. I think it's all garbage. I think if you have a good team, you're going to win. Some years you get lucky and sometimes you don't. Um, Kate Smith was an integral part of the history of this team. When the, when the original Flyers back in the 70s you know, started bringing her out, they had an incredible record. And the entire NHL knew who Kate Smith was, right, because of, of, uh, of the Flyers, the fierce that they brought to the Philadelphia. It herself in May. Like I, I thought that in the 90s when they, when they bring it out once in a while, it was amazing. I get hairs in the back of my neck would go up. But I don't believe in a curse of Kate Smith. Uh, I do believe, though, that there's a larger faction of people tied to this organization that feel that post Ed Snyder's passing, this was the first power move that the new corporate entity decided to pull. Um, and I think what happened was, is when everybody, when it first happened, said, wow, that's kind of odd. Like, gee, no one knew her history and nobody would have ever no one would have ever lent any creed to anything if all of those things were true in a time that was completely different than the one we live in now. When you found out that she actually helped people in the 40s enable minorities to try to get to keep their careers on track or promoting them, that's the part that was missed. So to me, and I know how it was done. I mean, there's enough people that know how this was done. It was done by three people. Of course, Val Camilla was part of that. Dave Scott, Phil Weinberg, I, I know was. And they had another guy named Buckman that used to work there. Uh, they decided that they were going to take this opportunity and make a statement. I believe they did. Like we're going to, this is, this is not what, who we stand for. They put Paul Holmgren's name stamped his approval on the end of that, that statement. They took tarped the statue and they took it off. I don't think that there was enough research done into it. I mean, it's almost like they followed the New York Yankees who did it, but didn't they do it like a week earlier guys, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Not even a week. I mean, it was less than a week, to be honest with you. So, so again, I just I think if they, if you if they'd gone back and they tracked back the fact that there was just absolutely abhorrent, there's nothing you could support. I think people would have gotten on board. But when I think when you realize that this is a person that in a time that was still there was so much suppression uh, in in the world that she rose above that. So that's what's disappointing about it. Uh, I also just feel it was just a completely miscalculated. Uh, a dumb thing. Like, I think the one thing I hear when I go out and someone's like, why did they do that? Like they go, that's just dumb. And that's what I get the most of about, about the statue thing. So I hope I clarified it. I don't care that she's not singing God bless America anymore. Uh, I just understand that she was very much part of the history of this team and that whether they want to acknowledge it or believe it or not, it absolutely angered a far larger degree of this fan base than they ever thought possible yeah and I, because i don't think i am no and i and i think that that last part is the most important part bundy and then from my perspective you know to have fans bring it up at the town hall in 2022 i don't necessarily know if that's needed at this point yeah. i mean it's it's been so long like yeah. why are why are we beating that dead horse right i mean it's it's you know we know it's not coming back they're not going to. So why why go into it? I mean, I know that we had there was the, the fans applauded. I mean, so it wasn't just that one guy. I mean, that whole group that was in there, you know, they obviously agree. But at the same time, you know, you can't walk that back. The Flyers, that toothpaste is out of the tube so that they aren't going to walk that back. Sure. Um, so I don't think I don't think that there's benefit in continuing to rehash the decision that was made. But I think yeah. what I think what the reason we're and the reason we're talking about it is. The, to understand that, you know, we keep getting reasons. Well, why is why are fans walking away? Why are season ticket holders walking away? And it's you know, there, there are multiple reasons. It's not just yes. Kate Smith, but uh, you know, the team being bad. There was some people that didn't come back because of COVID. They're still scared. That's fine too. There were some people who were, you know, the upset with the vaccine restrictions. That's why they weren't there. There's a million different little reasons here and there. Everybody's got their own. But to dismiss the, the notion that 
what happened with Kate Smith was not a reason that people stayed away is wrong. And the reason that it's wrong is this. We are in a society now, and I don't, I'm not going to get political here, but we are in a society where you are either you, on any stance that you take, you're either with us or you're against us. There's no middle ground, right? There's no, there's no, no discussion co- of anything, right? There's no discussion. It's yeah. either you're with us or you're against us. Yeah. And, there is and a discu- but, but like, but, but there, wait, wait, there, let me just there, there is, us. but, but there's not. Yeah. I, okay. You, you know what I'm saying? Now, let me just finish. Then you can, then you can, then you can yeah, online, on. online, especially. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there, but there's Black you're either white. with us or you're against us. And so mm-hmm. therefore you either, you are either one side or the other. There cannot be a middle ground. So what ends up happening is, is you have the people who will argue that this was the right thing to do. This was the just thing to do. Yo, it was, that's so racist and awful and get rid of Kate Smith and blah, 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 blah. And then they, those people support that. And then that pisses off the other side who says, that's ridiculous. This is part of our history. Look into it. She really isn't racist. Blah, blah, blah. And they make that argument and they don't want to look at it from the other side. And so there is no middle that, that, and I really think the middle is where everybody would be best suited to live. Like, let's live with each other. Let's learn from each other. Let's work with each other. Um, and that just didn't happen in this instance. Now, do I think that the Flyers rushed their decision? I do. I think that they were like, oh, no, we got we have to do this because, yeah. look, the Yankees did it, right? I mean, so I think that they rushed it. But at the same time, I think that they I, – I hope that they learn from it. I hope that, that, that down the road of something else of this – nature or this ilk that is something that's controversial comes up that rather than make a rash reaction that will only half the people will support and the other half will not that that maybe that they will find that middle ground that they will find that that common ground between both sides like what can we do how can we learn from each other how can we make this work for everybody and i think that's the thing that really needs to happen and i think that that's the most important message out of this whole thing, five, six years later, however long it's been um, since this all originally happened, that yet the people are, there are people who are still bothered by it. We know nothing's going to change. Let's just acknowledge the fact that it's not, that not everybody is on board with the same message. That's all. My favorite thing that happens. That's fair. Yeah. My favorite thing that happens is, you know, you, you say season ticket holders are upset and people who aren't season ticket holders are upset. Right. And there's the group of people who say, well, I don't give a shit about the season ticket holders. They have money. They, they don't have to spend their money on. They can go spend it on something else. Like, why should I feel bad for them? They have more money than me. Why do I care? And I guess my only point then is, well, then you hats have to be the one to pick up the mantle. Like somebody else has to buy the season tickets, right? Otherwise they get sold out to ticket brokers and then you have an empty arena, right? Like, which has happened on many nights in the last few years. And now whether the team likes to admit that they are still in some way, shape or form selling to third party vendors or to ticket brokers or not, doesn't really matter at this point um, because a lot of people just aren't going because the on ice product is bad. But like there, there's like an overall lack of empathy, I think for like other groups of people with dissenting viewpoints. And it, it doesn't mean that everybody's the antichrist just because they don't agree with you. Right. Honestly, here's the middle ground. Kate Smith doesn't mean anything to people of a certain age group. Just doesn't. We weren't alive for it. We don't care. Right. I put myself in that group. The statue being up, I said, all right, whatever. The statue goes down. I say, "Eh, whatever. The the God bless America during games, eh, whatever. For a large segment of this fan base of a certain age that is going to have to carry the mantle at some point, be season ticket holders, or be the people for the next 40 or 50 years to fill whatever arena the Flyers are playing in, you know, whether they're here or they're relocated to Quebec City, it doesn't matter. Like that age group, that group of fans is at some point going to have to pick up the mantle and put their money where their mouth is. And the people who are upset about it are more than welcome to continue to air those concerns and air those grievances. And that is totally fine. End of the day, at some point, people are going to have to move on from it. That's where I stand. Um, By the way, Bundy, thing you did with card it was nice it was nice it was a nice interview uh somebody sent it to me because it was behind a paywall somebody sent it to me they uh they spared the change i do like the fact that he called our podcast occasionally 
controversial, sometimes controversial, I think is the tag for it. You know, you know what, guys, I, I, I'll tell you what, you know, I worked here for so long and I know some people, <laughs> I love some guys the other day sit up, I just need to feel relevant. Well, I hadn't been on the podcast in three weeks. <laughs> if I really need to see my face, I just take a look at myself in the mirror in the morning. But I love doing these because, you know, I get to talk hockey still, right? It's what I did for so long. Uh, you know, and I think the controversies, guys, I don't think that we, we set any, I don't come in here with a goal to be controversial. I come in here to talk about what I'm seeing and all the things that we've seen has resulted in. And I say this as a whole enterprise, whether it's all the things involved has resulted in a, in a fan base attendance of 6,000 in a night in Philadelphia. So you explain that to me because I don't want to hear any more about the 76ers and the pandemic from Dave Scott, how it's hurt them. Just be quiet. Stop talking. You know what? Run your team how you think you're going to run it. And if you can get it up to 10,000 by the end of the year, consider that a win. But right now, it's an embarrassment. You had a superhero day last week that was the best seller. It was loaded with kids. It was a great day. But what I'm saying right now is this team's got so many more things to worry about. And, and the compilation of what's gone on has resulted in... We are, we are left here at, at, a, uh, at suspense. It has left... Bundy, you cut out there. You it has out, left said, us at. <laughs> you cut out, just and then for you a froze. There. My, my, it says my you internet. I'm doing it. Another, I'm doing it on the road today. I was just saying that you know what? If if you are the Flyers, got a lot of fixing to do right now, guys, uh, in many different facets. Because you know, there's nothing better than when this city's rocking with good Flyers hockey come the spring. It's awesome. I uh, love being a part of it. I will still love being a part of it when those days come back. But I'm telling you what, you're going to have to have some patience because it ain't going to be anytime soon. It's you, know, it's, you know, it's interesting, and I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that, Bundy, because I had a conversation with uh, a team employee recently um, who I guess it was the game when they did the um, the Snyder hockey. They donated the money to Snyder hockey. Mm -hmm. um, Flyers won that game, too. I, who was that? Was that, was that Washington? I it was they, Washington, I think. Yeah, it was the Washington game. They played really well against the Capitals. And the building was pretty was pretty full. It was actually pretty good. Pretty well attended game, um, and uh, Flyers played a really good game. Um, it was it was it was it was a physical game. It was kind of a little old school hockey, and that current employee who was not an employee there long, for long says to me, "This felt really good in this building today," and it was like, "Yeah, like this is what it's kind of sort of like normally." I said, "Matt, now imagine this and ramp it up by." 10, 20, 30%, that's your normal. And then there's the playoffs, yeah. right? I said, I said, that's, I said, so as much as you liked today, this is what it used to be like all the time. All the time. Yeah. And every so, night. Yeah. Every, every night. night. And so I think that, I think that what we're doing, you know, say, you know, it's funny that, it's, that Sam called us sometimes controversial. And I get it. And I get why he says that. I mean, and the reason is, is because, and, you know, I don't know if you guys heard Mac now over the weekend and, and Didinger. Um, they ripped the media in town and said that, uh, except for our podcast, um, that nobody else, everyone else is afraid to be critical. And, and maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe we're just not afraid to be critical. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and so, therefore, I think that what we've done, and this is, you know, if, it's, if you want to say that this is me patting us on the back, then I'm patting us on the back. That's fine. Um, but I think that what we've done is effectuating, starting to effectuate some change. I think that they're starting to recognize that what we're saying is not just a couple of people who used to work for the team being blowhards, right? It's not, I don't think that that's the case. I think they're seeing it with their fans. I think that they're seeing it at the result in the crowd. And it's like, okay, maybe those guys are right. Maybe we need to, maybe we need to address it. Maybe they might think that we're a little over the top. Okay, fine. But at least the fact is, is that we're getting the message out and maybe – I still say maybe because they still have to prove it. Maybe they're starting to hear us. And that's not a bad thing. To me, that's advocacy, right? To me, that's that, that's that's we're doing advocacy for the fan base in a lot of ways. And I and I don't have a problem with that. And and the team shouldn't have a problem with that, in all honesty, because we're trying to help them be better. Yeah. Yeah. And I do feel for the fans and I do feel for the season ticket holders too, which is, a, is another thing. It's been, yeah. it's been a rough ride if you're a season ticket holder. And that's one thing I do here when I go out. So, you know what, the one thing we do know guys, a good hockey team 
uh, uh, ails a lot of what what, sure. what what is going on here. And and, and we, we're not we don't fall on blind eyes or deaf ears when we say that. We understand, you know, like good hockey team gets people in the building and builds excitement about uh, your franchise. Uh, I just think a lot of the other things they don't need to help themselves out in some of the things they've done, and and the Flyers have helped themselves out in, in a lot of this too. Yeah, uh, you don't get yeah you don't get the six thousand seats for people in a building without you absolutely having your handprint all over it. Sure, and and, and that's not to say, and I want to make this clear too, Bundy, and you, you know, I think you can back me up on this. Even in the best of times for the Flyers, there were some things internally that weren't great. I mean, it's like I'm not trying to make it sound like this was, you know, that everything back then was 100% perfect. Sure. Of course. I could tell a million stories. There were were things back then too that weren't great, but it kind of got, it kind of sits in the back burner or or gets lost in the shuffle because at least the team was decent. At least the team was competitive and doing things and and the games were exciting and the crowd was full. But when you get to this point, I think that's when the warts come out. Right. All the warts come out at that point. And I think that that's why it is what it is. So I think you're right. I think if this team can find a way to get, you know, get back, repair the relationship with your fans in the process of, of rebuilding the team on the ice, I think that you'll you'll see in a couple of years, things will could get back to where they were, but they have to be committed to doing that. Otherwise, it, it, it does it get worse than six thousand in, 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 in attendance. Well, see that that comes back to. There, there is something that could happen for the greater good and season ticket holders will be able to deal with it. Okay. I think that if we, if this goes the way that we expect it to go with this team being bad, because the team is bad, I think the organization is going to have to bite the bullet and they're going to have to con- to bite the bullet and they're going to have to consider cutting ticket prices. And when I say that, I think of what did one of you just touch on a little bit ago? Superhero night was a big success, right? Because the building was filled with families and with kids who could make it out to a game. Afternoon. Imagine, like, look, you're going to hurt your bottom line. I get it. But in fairness, the bottom line can't look that great when only 6,000 people are there. Yes, there are tickets that have already been bought and paid for that you're technically credited with. Like, I get that. Cut some ticket prices, even on a select number of games. Try to make it kid-friendly. Try to market it to groups of people who might not otherwise look to go down or be able to afford to go down to these games. I've said this before. There are so many families in the city of Philadelphia and the surrounding city, uh, surrounding the city and the suburbs that cannot afford to go to games that are part of programs within schools that are part of low socioeconomic status programs. There has to be a way to reach out to those people and to try to get them to a game. And you know what? If you're going to lose money anyway because some of these tickets aren't getting sold, then start giving tickets to those groups. Start giving tickets to kids and their families in inner city programs that may at some point look to hockey. You know, I think it's great that Snyder, it was Snyder Youth, right? And the team announced that they're building the rink in Kensington, right? Like you can do something like that and then you can add another layer to this. You can reach out to communities that might not be able to afford to go to a game. And in a down season, provide a memory that'll last a lifetime for a, a little kid. That's where I'm at. Yeah, and there's, and there's 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 a lot you can do in that neck of the woods, guys. Trust me, being involved in the alcohol and drug treatment area. I mean, Kensington is the spike of of, of Philadelphia, you know, for drug addiction, and it's sad saddest place. So I love to see good things coming into that area, you know, to get kids. Uh, things that they're doing with it. So those are, those are good, great things. And Anthony, I saw his tweet last week. It's all about that. And, uh, and, it, and it really is important, you know, for, for the youth of the city to, to have important things like that and money put, put forth in the right place. I got to go guys. Have a great yep, day. We got to go. Hey, everybody, make sure you go follow the show wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Apple podcasts, Amazon music, Spotify, Stitcher, Google podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at snow, the goalie at Ant San Philly at C six at joy on broad. You can find us on Instagram at the same handles. All of that stuff is linked in the description of this episode. At some point, this episode will be available on video on youtube.com slash crossing broad. So we'll be back next week. We'll see if any trades go down, see if there's any developments in Flyers land. Thanks for listening to the end here. We love and appreciate all of you. So for Ant, for Bundy, I'm Russ. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Go Flyers.